Hello, vampires and slayers. This is Mixtress Ray, and you're listening to What's This Bitch Talking About? To which the answer to that question is usually Buffy the Vampire Slayer. But today, we're talking about... Usually it's Buffy the Vampire Slayer 20 years later. But today, we're talking about a movie called Bandits. So, I don't think I've ever met someone that has seen this movie. It's always me showing other people this movie. Sorry, a downpour started about five minutes before I pressed record, so... You're gonna hear the rain sounds in the background. A little ambiance. It is like a super unexpected, hardcore summer rain that is happening right now. Yeah. Okay. So, um, this movie, it is my fervent wish that everyone listening will check this movie out. It's called Bandits. It's starring Kate Blanchett, Billy Bob Thornton, and Bruce Willis. It is, um, it's, it holds up. I showed it to two friends last night. Um, they have a projector, so they kindly let me, um, force this movie upon them last night in their home. And, um, not necessarily a movie you need to see on a projector because it's not like a super high quality movie. Well, I mean, it's possible that a Blu-ray of it exists now. Actually, you know what? I should do some, I should do my research, right? I never do my research. Okay. So you can get a Blu-ray version of Bandits for $7 on Amazon, $10 just for the regular DVD, and then you can rent it on Prime Video for $3.99, okay? <laughs> um, this is a very underappreciated heist movie. It's kind of like, it's almost like a rom-com mixed with a heist movie. It's, uh, I mean, obviously I'm about to talk about it. This is a movie that is slightly more enjoyable without spoilers, however. So if you do want to take me up on my challenge to watch Bandits, stop listening, go watch it, and come back. I will wait. Okay. <laughs> Maybe I should just have a spoiler-free conversation about Bandits. You know what? Because this movie is just a good time. It's just a, it's just a good time. It's fun. It's funny. It's super quotable. It's sorry. That was my dog. She's freaking out because it's raining. So she's leaning up against the door to the closet that I'm sitting in. Um, it's just a good time. This is, it's a movie that kind of pokes fun at mental health, but in in a not irresponsible way, because like one of the main characters, Billy Bob Thornton's character, um, his character's name is Terry and he has like hypochondria, severe anxiety, you know, he's got some shit that he's dealing with and you see him dealing with it throughout the movie, but the people, the characters love him. They accept him. They, um, they don't really with the exception of one plot point where the, you know, Bruce Willis's character is trying to sabotage him for a little while with the exception of that moment. Um, they're not like really, they're not enabling his fears. 
by like they're they're paying the right amount of attention to them i feel like that kind of being around somebody that has that kind of he probably has like generalized anxiety disorder and maybe hypochondria whatever um one thing that one of my friends jody said that when we were watching it last night she's like i love how like immediately open they all are about their mental health stuff they just like put it all out there the characters are just like constantly talking about their own mental health about how they feel about things and um it's just a good movie it's super funny just the the dynamics between billy bob thornton's character and bruce willis's character are just hilarious um so I'm not sure like exactly what I want to say about this movie. So I'm going to try to keep it short. <laughs> Although, you know, right now, looking at how long this episode is, if I was able to accomplish that, we'll see. I mean, most of what I wrote down as far as my notes, I didn't even have three. I didn't even have three full pages of notes. And it was mostly just quotes. <laughs> um, the way that I decided to sum up this movie for my friends was it's bank robbers with hearts of gold because <laughs> it is they're called in the movie they're called the sleepover bandits so their whole thing is they find out who the bank manager is of the bank that they want to rob and they go the night before to the bank manager's house and they stay the night with them and then the following morning they go with them to the bank and before anyone else gets there and it's totally implausible if you think about it too hard like would they really be able to keep 24 7 surveillance on this bank manager throughout the whole night to make sure they didn't like call the cops or something but it's just there is a certain level of just suspend your disbelief and go along with the ride because this is a fun movie these are like these are bank robbers that like you don't see them hurt you don't see them injure or kill anyone throughout the course of the movie. That is not their intention. Um, at one point in the movie, Bruce Willis's character um, says, like somebody is saying to them, I don't know, somebody's talking to them about something and he gets angry and he's like, we never stole a penny from anyone who earned it. You know, like they are only stealing from banks. They're stealing from federally insured, federally insured money. You know, like it's like, bank robbers with morality and hearts of gold and they have a genuine friendship between the two of them and then they meet up with through weird circumstances they meet up with Kate Blanchett's character this is actually this movie came out I'm wondering like it I think maybe it got buried by the fact that it came out a month out it came out like October 12th I think was the release date 2001 so it came out like a month after 9-11. So it's possible that the reason why it kind of fell under the radar, because it's a genuinely good movie. Um, I think the reason that it went under the radar is because of the timing that it came out. You know, like at that, I remember at that time period, you know, just how dramatic, obviously post 9-11, immediate post 9-11 world was, you know, we were wanting really, really comforting entertainment at that point in time. We weren't, I mean, I would say that this is a comforting movie, but I'm sure, I don't know what the trailers were like. I don't remember, but I'm sure the trailers more hyped up the heist aspects of the movie. And maybe they, maybe just the, 
the nation was not ready for bandits at the time that it came out, or maybe it got buried in a terrible promotional campaign. I don't know what the history with this movie, but all I know is anecdotally speaking, no one I have ever talked to has seen this movie. Throughout the last 20 years, I have shown this movie to a lot of people, and I think everyone I've shown it to likes it. It is a good movie. It is an un underappreciated gem, just like Long Kiss Goodnight. If you still haven't watched that one, I'm sure I've talked about it before. It's, um, it's a great Christmas action movie. It's a great alternative if you're sick of watching Die Hard every year at Christmas time. Um, it's actually like the script is written by the same person that wrote Die Hard, I'm pretty sure. Um, anyway, <laughs> this is another underappreciated movie. So this is the first time I ever saw Kate Blanchett. Her, the introduction to her character is hilarious in this movie. She's cooking like a really complicated, like fancy meal for her husband who doesn't appreciate her. And she's like singing and dancing along to Bonnie Tyler's, um, holding out for a hero. <laughs> that was my introduction to Kate Blanchett, and I think of it often. <laughs> um, everybody's great in this movie. It's just, it's, it's so quotable. It's so funny. I think there were probably several moments where it looks like there was like improv going on between Billy Bob Thornton's character and Bruce Willis's character. They play some of that during the credits, and it's just, it's exactly my kind of humor. It's just very... It's not mean-spirited humor throughout this movie. It's mostly just like, I don't know. It's just kind of the gentle ribbing, the way that people sort of like give each other shit whenever they're close. Or that's my experience anyway, <laughs> you know? Uh, it's just it's just a good movie. I don't really know what else to say about it. So I'll read you some of my quotes that I wrote down. Um, garlic is the first defense, always. It's one of the first things Billy Bob, first things Billy Bob Thornton's character says to Bruce Willis's character. They met in prison, I think, is where they met. So that's kind of the beginning of the story. You see them in prison together. And, you know, the whole dynamic between these two characters is that Bruce Willis is sort of the impulsive, charming, sort of knight of cups kind of dude, if you're into tarot. And then uh, Billy Bob Thornton's character is the um, the sort of, like, he's just, he's anxious, unattractive, like, very, like, overthinks things. And, like, it's just so interesting to see their dynamic together. It's just one of those, one of those movies. It's like a buddy cop movie, only it's buddy bandits, you know? Um, yeah, I don't know. I'd like, I wrote down some of the plot points, but it's just like, that's not really important. And it's also progressive in a way that like, there really wasn't, I mean, normally when I'm watching movies that are 20 years old, I do make several notes of things that don't hold up well. I don't know if I really, I don't think I made any of those notes last night either. I was in a particularly good mood and I didn't really notice those things as much as I normally would. But I think it actually doesn't have a whole lot of problematic aspects. I think this movie really holds up. And with the exception of there's like not a single person of color in this movie. 
I can't think of a single one. It's a pretty small cast. Like, it's pretty much just those three characters, and then there's a there's another actor that I do not know his name, but he um, is, like, the getaway driver guy, and he is pretty much the fourth character. You really don't see other people very often. Like, you do see the bank managers and stuff. Only one of those bank managers was shown to be a woman. Um, and she was an older lady, so that was nice. Um, I don't know if it passes the Bechdel test. I don't think it does, because... Like, Kate Blanchett is only seen... She's seen talking to a couple of the bank managers. She's... I She is seen sort of talking to the female bank manager at one point, but it's not even, like, a full exchange. She just sort of, sort of regards her in a way at one point, and that's it. You don't see her ever interact with anyone else that is a woman at any point. Um, you see her interact with her husband. You see her interact with Billy Bob Thornton, with the getaway car guy. I don't even know his name. The Bruce Willis character. And that's basically it. But it's, it's a very small cast, so I do give it a little bit of a pass for not passing the Bechdel test. Um, because it's not, as far as the Bechdel test is concerned, like, it's a good metric for sure. And if you don't know what it is, uh, most people do at this point, I think. But if you don't, um, it's basically a test to kind of start the conversation of representation of women in movies. That is, in order to pass the Bechdel test, you have to have two named female characters in a movie that talk to each other about something other than a man. So it has to pass all three of those met metrics. This movie... I don't know if we ever find out the name of the female bank manager. And I don't know if we ever find out the name because there's like a, a love interest for the getaway driver guy. I don't even think we ever find out her character's name. But, so, you know, that sucks. But this movie is not a sexist movie. Um, I mean, there's a, there was like, now that I'm saying that there's a couple of little exchanges between Terry and Joe. So Joe is Bruce was Bruce Willis's character and Terry is Billy Bob Thornton's character. So I'm going to try to refer to them by the character names because it's just shorter than saying their real names. But between Joe and Terry, they do have like, I think one or two conversations that, that read a little sexist, but they're not bad. Like, even, they wouldn't have even hit my radar as being sexist conversations back in 2001. But now they barely hit the radar, you know? So, I would say overall it's not a sexist movie. In fact, you know, like, the, the relationship aspect of the movie is basically like, this is a spoiler, so seriously, watch this movie. You're gonna love it. I'm telling you. But, like, Kate Blanchett's character sort of falls in love with um, Joe and then she also falls in love with Terry at a separate point and then you know one of the plot points is that she can't choose between them and she doesn't think she should have to so it's and it's presented in a really kind of progressive especially for 2001 way so it's 
it's sort of a polyamorous relationship. They deal with it with a certain level of nuance. Um, yeah, it's just a good movie. It's just a good movie. I just kind of don't even need to talk about it that much. <laughs> anyway, okay, I'm going to keep going through my notes. Um, one of the first things that Terry said about Kate, which the Kate Blanchett's character's name is Kate. First, one of the first things he said about Kate was she's mentally unbalanced to a spectacular degree. <laughs> that was his first impression of her before they fell in love, of course. Um, beavers and ducks. <laughs> At one point, Terry just like wakes up saying beavers and ducks. I just, like, one of my first, the first memory that I have of this movie, I think the reason that I knew it existed, this was at a time in my life when my mom was watching The Letterman Show every single night. And she wasn't watching it, like, I didn't grow up with her watching it, but she was watching it at this point in time um, for a little chunk of years. She was watching it every night. And I remember catching the segment where, like, um, I think he was interviewing Billy Bob Thornton and they were promoting this movie and David Letterman was saying to Billy Bob Thornton, like, this is me. This is me, your character in this movie. And that's the character that has like the generalized anxiety disorder, which is what I'm putting on them. That's not stated in the movie, but, um, it's like, that's me. That's me. You are playing me in this movie. I am exactly like that. And that's what I remember, um. That's my first, like, knowledge of this movie. And I think that's the reason that I wanted to watch it. Like, I don't think I knew about it before this segment on Letterman. And I don't even, I didn't watch it with my mom every night. I don't think at that point I was even living with my mom. Maybe I was. Yeah, maybe I still was. I think I moved out into my own apartment at the beginning of 2002. So I don't think I had moved out yet when this movie came out in October of 2001. So I must have just been wandering around while mom was watching Letterman that night. And I saw, happened to catch that segment. And like me and my mom were both like, yeah, we need to watch that movie. <laughs> um, because like the type of humor that David Letterman had on his show does sort of resemble the type of humor that is in um, this movie, I think. It's just sort of that like kind of, it's not going to be funny to everyone kind of humor. But like I said... Don't let me turn you off to watching the movie if you still haven't started to watch it yet. <laughs> because genuinely, every time I've played this movie for someone, forced someone to watch it with me, they've had a good reaction to it. And I have definitely had the experience in my life of making people watch a movie that they do not like. So I know the difference. It's not like I think everybody likes... And people don't really fake it around me, I don't think. But like just almost this entire movie I'm just like sitting over on the couch just like laughing with tears streaming down my face maybe people really are being polite <laughs> because obviously I'm enjoying this movie so much that they just enjoy the experience of me enjoying it or something but I do genuinely think it's a good movie I do I seriously if I can get a couple of people to watch it please let me know send me an email and let me know that you've watched it okay <laughs> You can email me at mixtressray at protonmail 
Yelp.com or Yahoo.com. Both of those email addresses I check on a regular basis. Mixtress Ray at Yahoo or at ProtonMail. M-I-X-T-R-E-S-S-R-A-E. Please email me if you like this movie and you've already seen it. Please email me if you watch it because of me and you like it. Like, I don't know. Just for some reason, I need more people to appreciate this movie because I think it's amazing. <laughs> um, okay, what else do we have? We never stole a penny from anyone who earned it, lady. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just, a, it's just a good movie. You know what it kind of reminds me of? This is a weird association, but it kind of reminds me of Thelma and Louise. Like, obviously, it's less chick power than Thelma and Louise, but it's like an outlaw situation of someone taking a different path in life. Like, I'm specifically thinking of the character of Thelma in Thelma and Louise. I think Thelma is sort of a an ancestor, character-wise, to Kate Blanchett's character in this movie. Um we don't really get a whole lot of details about her husband. I don't think he's important. I don't think we ever even find out his name. He just is neglectful of her. He might be cheating on her. He's definitely a bad husband. He definitely doesn't really give a shit about her. And so she ends up running away with Joe and Terry. <laughs> and she ends up falling in love with both of them. And yeah, it's just... Even though the movie isn't specifically focused on her as being a main character, like, her arc is definitely pretty well represented. You know, like I said, this movie does not pass the Bechdel test. However, it's not a sexist movie, and I do think it has respect for the one female character that exists in the movie. It has respect for her, for sure. It's not objectifying to her, like, ever, at any point. Like, obviously, it's Kate Blanchett, so she's hot. And they put her in clothes that make her look hot because she is. But she's not objectified at any point. And she is just respected and loved and listened to. Like when she talks, her men listen, <laughs> you know? They hear her out. They're not constantly, they're not being disrespectful towards her, like at all. And she even has a moment where, like, when she has, at this point, she's in love with both of them. And she's kind of told them, I don't want to choose between you. And, you know, there's a little bit of awkwardness after that point. Like, what do we do when all three of us are together? Like, because Joe and Terry are really close friends, but they are not interested in each other. Um, so they wouldn't, it wouldn't be like a, whatever it's called when you're in a polyamorous polyamorous relationship where all three people are kind of involved with each other. It wouldn't be that kind of relationship. Um, so it's kind of an, at an awkward space at this point in the movie. There's a moment where she goes to, it's like nighttime and she's going to each of their rooms separately. She goes to one of their rooms and she gives them a kiss goodnight and talks to them for a minute. Then she goes to the other room gives him a kiss goodnight and both of them think in this moment oh she's choosing me she's choosing me tonight but at the end of it she walks away from both of them and they don't really show what happens at that point but I assume 
that what happens is she just goes back to her own room because like even though she is in love with two men and she wants to be in a relationship with both of them at the same time and she's made her intentions about that clear she still wants her alone time too <laughs> that's the way i interpreted that scene um yeah it's just really good I don't think I really need to say anything else about it. It's just a fun heist movie and it includes elements of romance. It includes elements of mental health that aren't entirely mishandled. And it's funny as fuck. It's just a good movie. When I, at the end of the movie, I asked um, my Michael and my two friends whose house we were at, how they rated the movie. My friend Jody rated it 12 Tamagotchis and two Furbies. My friend Cody rated it six cherry tomatoes. <laughs> and my Michael rated it four hot dogs. <laughs> These are all positive ratings, by the way. So let me give you my ratings. I think that's just all we're going to do today. Let's do like a little right before I give my ratings. Let's do a little like check in with like what movies we have left in the project. Um, on my list, things that I thought I was going to do, like I always think I'm going to do more than I really will. I thought I was going to review Josie and the Pussycats, Ghost World, um, Moulin Rouge, Waking Life. I don't know how many of those I will still get to. I'm not going to make any promises because, you know... Lately, I've been kind of assessing, like, how much time do I spend on all of my different projects? You know, because I have this podcast. I am a tarot reader. I have a tarot reading Etsy shop that's getting a little bit more popular lately. So I've been spending more time doing that. I have my YouTube channel. I have my library job. I have a job that is only once a week, but I clean someone's house once a week have that job. I have my radio show, my weekly radio show. So I have... And I have like, you know, a few, like not a lot, but I like for my patrons, I do have a couple of like extra things that I do for them. But um, mostly my radio show is the benefit that patrons get. Um, and I have merch now, guys, if you're interested. I don't have specifically what's this bitch talking about merch. I might have that in the future, but right now my merch is Mixtress Radio merch. So if you're interested, I will, um, the link will be in the podcast description notes and it's basically just Teespring and then you just search Mixtress Ray and it shows up. Eventually I'll probably have What's This Bitch talking about merch and I'm going to try to have Mixtress Video merch for my YouTube channel. I just have too many different things that I do. The point of all of that, and y'all know I don't have one, but the point of all of that is that I have... Like between the hours that I spend doing all of these different projects that I do, I work like 40, 45 hours a week, maybe more, and it can be pretty exhausting. So I think maybe it's possible that in the future, I will stop promising to review movies during the summer. Like I'll probably always like do at least one or two, but like, I always think I'm going to do like five to 10 movies over the course of the summer. And I never do because it's always just kind of nice to take that extra time off in the summer. Anyway, I think I say this like every fucking episode, so I'm sorry. Okay. How long do we have before we get to start talking about Buffy again? That's what we want to know. 
and I don't remember. So I know why I know I tell you this every time. Okay. October 2nd. So we have another month and a half, basically little less than month and a half until we get to talk about Buffy. So hopefully I'll be able to squeeze in at least a couple more movies before the end of the summer because also Legally Blonde was in 2001. But Legally Blonde at this point is very much appreciated. Like it wasn't that appreciated in the last 20 years, but in the last five years or so. That movie has been properly given its due. So I don't necessarily need to review Legally Blonde. It's just a good time. That movie, I have watched it somewhat recently. It doesn't hold up a hundred percent, but it holds up mostly. It's it's still a pretty damn good movie. So definitely watch Legally Blonde and celebrate the fact that it's 20 this year sometime in the near future if it's something that you have enjoyed in the past because it is a damn good time, that movie. I would, I don't know, do I want to review Moulin Rouge? Like, it was definitely super important to me in 2001. I watched it, when it came out, I watched it at the theater like at least 10 times. I had the soundtrack and listened to it on repeat like that entire summer after I graduated high school, which I graduated in 01. It, that is an important movie to my past I almost want to just leave it there, though, because the last time I watched it, I mean, it's been a while. It's probably been like at least probably close to, if not more than 10 years since I've seen that movie. And the last time I watched it, I was like, oh, I don't think I like this anymore. So if I thought that, then it's probably going to be a lot worse now. So I'm not sure I want to try to watch that again. I would be really interested to see how I feel about Waking Life these days, because I remember feeling like that movie was super deep when I was, you know, a 20-year-old stoner the first time I saw it. But, you know, as a 38-year-old stoner, I don't know. <laughs> I'm actually not really a stoner. I do smoke pot occasionally, but um, not necessarily that I would call myself a stoner. But anyway, I, I don't know. I would be interested to see how I feel about Waking Life again. So I think at the top of my list, like if I were to only do two more movies before the rest of the summer, I would want it to be Waking Life and Ghost World is really important to me. I have talked about Ghost World at length on my radio show. So that conversation is out there already, so I don't necessarily need to have it again. That movie does not... That movie has some some tricky situations to navigate talking about, but that movie is definitely the one that's probably most important to me since 2001. As far as just, I was Thora Birch's character. I was her when I graduated high school, you know? Um, so that movie is pretty important to me. Like what else, what else did I just name? that I definitely want to watch before the end of the summer. Josie and the Pussycats is just a good time too. Like, I don't know if I need to review that movie. That's another one that like kind of underappreciated, but if you're looking for, you know, just a fun, cheeky, campy movie that has Parker Posey, um, Rosario Dawson, that chick from She's All That... <laughs> Um, it also has, 
who was that blonde chick that played like the the love interest that got kidnapped in Big Lebowski? Tara something? I don't remember her name. Anyway, it's got people in it and it's a really fun movie. If you haven't seen Josie and the Pussycats, do yourself a favor and watch it because it's a good time. It's just really funny. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I make no promises. I could be back in two weeks to talk about a movie. I could maybe not be back until October 2nd. We'll see. Hopefully I'll be back at least a week before that to talk about, to just kind of like get us ready for Buffy again, you know, talk about some things leading up to it. I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about. Anyway, let's do our ratings for bandits. I didn't write any of these down last night. Object of the episode. I don't think there was anything like the fashion didn't really stand out one way or another. There were some really bad wigs in this movie, but I think they were supposed to be bad. Because <laughs> like the the sleepover bandits were always doing like a disguise or something and they had all these different wigs. And most of the wigs that they put Billy Bob Thornton in made him look like um, an old lesbian. And I appreciated that, but... <laughs> um, there was also this great scene whenever Billy Bob Thornton and Kate Blanchett's character were kind of falling in love. And it was like they both had on like face masks and she was painting his fingernails and toes. Sadly, we didn't see them painted in other scenes, just this one scene. But there was no commentary on that. It was just it was just shown as two people falling in love. And one of the things that they did while they were falling in love is paint each other's toenails and put on face masks together and you know I I just really liked that like she was giving him a pedicure and he was holding his hands up because they were painted too and there was no like no homo commentary surrounding that moment at all none it was just this is just what you do this is what these two people are doing as they're falling in love <laughs> painting each other's toenails it's fine so that was a really great moment. Anyway, I just was randomly reminded of that. I can't think of any particular object of the episode that I would want to have. Maybe that big, like, um, that super cushiony thing that the guy had, the, the guy that was this, the getaway car driver, he was also a, like a, an aspiring stunt man. So he had all this equipment. He was constantly practicing different stunts and stuff. And so he had this giant, like, padded landing pad thing so he could jump off of his roof and land on it. I think that would be fun to have something like that. Because <laughs> I have a super tall house. It would be pretty cool if I could climb up to my roof and then jump off of it. <laughs> Like, that's not happening. But it would be cool if I could do that. So let's say that's the object of the episode. MVP of the movie. I mean, I'm going to give it to Kate Blanchett. Like, she made the biggest, like, character arc. The biggest character arc goes to her. She, you know, she knew who she was. She knew what she wanted. She was very Queen of Wands. And Kate Blanchett's the best. Okay outfit of the episode again I'm gonna have to give that to Kate Blanchett I don't really remember any particular outfits I guess there was this one moment where Billy Bob Thornton's character right after they broke out of prison 
they had stolen the wardrobe of somebody's dad of a house that they broke into and he ended up wearing like this really funny it was like an argyle sweater vest with some plaid pants and like a newsboy's hat is in my head i don't know if that was actually there but that was a pretty good outfit let's give it to him let's just do that i mean really it was kate blanchett her her character was introduced in this gorgeous like teal kind of a wrap dress which i'm usually not into wrap dresses but she looked great because she had this awesome feathered hair and like if you're gonna have a wrap dress you better have feathered hair that's just how i feel about that <laughs> so it's a tie between that that teal dress that looked great with her super bright red hair and um terry's golf outfit that he stole <laughs> um quote of the episode I mean, the one that I quote the most often, there's this whole plot point where um, Joe is trying to sabotage Terry at some point and tells him this story since Terry is highly suggestible about matters that, in that are involve health since he has so much anxiety. He told him the story about his brother and how he ended up with a tumor and the tumor was pressing on his olfactory gland and so it made him smell burning feathers. And so, like, that is still something that is quoted between me and my mom, between me and my Michael, all the time. Like, do you smell burning feathers? Do you smell burning feathers? <laughs> I smell burning feathers. Um, so, I mean, it's a simple quote, but there it is. Um, five by five ratings. As far as representation of women are concerned, like I said, there isn't much, but it's not a super sexist movie. Um it gets kind of a pass just because it's a really fun movie that is not disrespectful towards women. So it's kind of like, it's kind of like a Taika Waititi movie, you know, love him as a director. He hardly ever has very many female characters in his movies, but his movies are not disrespectful towards women. Although he gets points taken away for a mission of women. So this, this movie for sure gets points taken away for a mission of women, but the one female character is pretty well respected in the movie so um five by five so just like overall i love this movie i can watch it it's one of those movies that like somebody could put it on pretty much any time not that anyone ever does but they could and i would probably watch the whole thing you know if i had cable or something does cable still exist surely it does and i was flipping through channels and i saw this movie at any point where where any point i would probably watch the rest of it wherever it was on tbs or whatever <laughs> tbs still exist anyway love this movie i'm stalling five by five um i'm gonna give it a 4.25 there are definitely movies that i rank above bandits but i bet i bet bandits would shake out as like one of my top 25 movies of all time for sure Maybe not top 10, but top 25. I love it. I love it. Maybe I should buy a new copy of the DVD. Because my copy of the DVD is probably from 2001. And all I have is the disc. I don't have the case anymore. I lost it in the tornado. Um, well, I mean, lost it. Like, most of my movie collection is just DVDs and a binder because the cases were all too water damaged to keep, but I kept the discs. I just like bought a binder sitting in my 
tornado-ravaged house rescuing the discs out of the cases of all of my movies. Um, and this is one of those. And it's like one of those old ones that has like the widescreen version of the movie on one side and it has the standard on the other. You know, it's one of those. Um, but it works. It's fine. Anyway, this movie is great. And if for some reason you listen to this whole episode and you still haven't seen this movie, watch it. I'm telling you, it's a good time. It's a good time. It's not a scary movie. Nothing perilous happens. I even think, I don't think my friend Laura listens to this version of the podcast, but if you do, Laura, I do think you would actually enjoy this movie too. In fact, maybe I'll make you watch it someday. Anyway, I love you guys. I will be back at some point before the end of the summer. It'll happen. Okay. Bye.